It is good to see everybody. There I am. It's good to see everybody this morning in this uh, beautiful day here in North Alabama. Uh, a little soggy, but that's okay. Hope you all are having a good day and uh, ready to come, <clears throat> come ready to worship and to hear from the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet and uh, let's prepare our hearts for worship. Um, great message today on prayer as we continue in our study in spiritual disciplines. So hope you all came ready today. Let's worship together. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come close.
you raise 
Gracious Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity to worship you and praise you for who you are and for what you've done for us, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace through your Son, Jesus Christ. What an honor, what a blessing it is to be able to stand before you and lay our burdens at your feet. Just pray that as we continue in this study and we look at the discipline of prayer this morning, that prayer wouldn't just be that thing we do before we eat, that it wouldn't just be that thing that we do before a, a major life event, that we would do as your word says and to pray without ceasing. Let me to begin with me. Father, I pray that this message would convict our hearts um, as believers, knowing we have full access to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords through prayer, that we may never take that for granted. And Father, for the person in this room who does not know you as King of Kings and as Lord of Lords, I pray that through this message, through the ministry and the music that happens in this place every Sunday, God, that they would come to realize their need for a Savior. Without, without the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ, they stand separated before a holy God. But God, that through this message, they could see their need for your son Jesus to, to save them from their sins, put them on the right path towards salvation. Father, we pray over Heath as he brings this message today, Lord, that you would speak through him, enable him through the Holy Spirit to speak your truth clear and concise way that you would enable the believers in this place to, to hear that truth be able to understand it through that same Holy Spirit gracious Father we love you, we praise you and thank you for Jesus in his name Amen Amen, Amen Good morning church Good morning, glad to see you guys. Hey, if you're new here, we're so pumped that you're here. In fact, we have a gift that we would love to give you. It's in our uh, it's in our lobby, what we call our next steps area. Um, if you'll fill out the card in the back of the seat in front of you with as much info as you feel comfortable with, and then drop it by next steps on your way out, they'll give you your very own Lindsay Lane Ace T-shirt uh, that our electric guitarist uh, was was repping on stage, Nick. And uh, you can you can have your, but also give you some information about our church, and just thank you for being here. Okay, um, <clears throat> before we even dive into the message, I also want to let you know, uh, and one of my favorite things in the world is going on right now, and it's East 101, uh, which is our, uh, which is like our membership course where we explain what it looks like uh, to be a member of Lindsay Lane East, what it looks like to go arm in arm um, uh, against the evil one, as we're going to talk about today, and so. That's actually going on next door right now in Building B. Kenny's leading that. 
Uh, so if you call East home, pray for that, because that's a big deal. Uh, we don't take membership lightly here. Uh, we think it's a big deal to go arm in arm with us. And so please pray uh, for Kenny as he leads that and explains that. So this morning, we're, we're in the, the middle of this message series looking at spiritual disciplines. And uh, I just got to tell you, one thing I didn't understand as a kid um, was stretching. Um, but I've learned to respect stretching. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, when I was a kid, I knew we always did these stretches. We always did like calisthenic type stuff before everything. Like, I just want to go play, right? Like, let me put my helmet on, my pads on. Let's go hit somebody. Why do we have to do these stretches and we have to get loose? Like, I'm already loose. I'm a teenager. I didn't understand the importance of stretching. 34 years old, however, I understand the importance of stretching. Uh, try to run with my daughter down our hill when we were just on a walk one day and i realized oh 34 year old needs to stretch a little bit right because there, there's there's something to it and so if it, this is maybe a dumb tie-in but like if you're gonna you got to understand something before it really becomes important to you and spiritual disciplines that we're talking about in this series are the exact same way like you can you can you can get up in the morning and study your bible and pray because I told you it's important, or the Bible tells you it's important. But when you get to a place where you see its importance, you feel the importance in it, like, I ain't got to tell you to do it. You ain't got to have a little reminder on your phone to read your Bible that day. Right? What did we talk about last last Sunday? We saw that the key to everything uh, really in the spiritual life is about a delighting in God's Word. Like, if you would delight in God's Word... I ain't got to tell you, did you read your Bible today? Like, you're going to do it because you see the importance in it. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. And what I'm going to try to help you see is not, here's how you pray. Follow these three easy steps. My hope is to show you from the text, Matthew chapter 6, if you want to go on and turn there, from Matthew chapter 6, why is prayer so important? And what are we doing when we pray? And I believe if we'll all catch, just catch that, then uh, we'll be on to something. And so Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, uh, I'm going to read through verse 13. And then I'm going to pray. And I'm also going to pray for East 101 as we do that, okay? So Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that um, that, uh, that Jesus gave us this prayer, God, um, I think for a really important reason. and God, I pray that you just give us wisdom and clarity and, and understanding today as we go forward in this. God, as we always pray, teach us to know you today and be with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this passage may be familiar to you uh, for two reasons. One, if you're like me, you probably said it outside of church more than you said it inside. That's literally true for me. Um, because every week before and sometimes after a football game, our coach told us to take a knee. And we all took a knee and we all said the Lord's Prayer. Now, I don't think that had anything to do with glory for God. I think it more had to do with my coach thinking, I don't know if God's real. But it's Ardmore, and we don't necessarily win all the time, and we may need his help. If there's a God out there, 
right? Like that was probably more what he was saying. And Nick was on my team. He knows what I'm talking about, him and Murray. Uh, but for, for so that, that was a big deal, right, for him. But that's the thing. We were saying this prayer outside of church, and I was saying it alongside people that don't even follow the God that they're praying to. And so um, it was more of a ritual in those settings than it was a real heartfelt prayer. And so, again, we did a whole study through this Lord's Prayer in May, and you can go back and listen to those if you'd like. It's four or five weeks. But um, when we're talking about the spiritual discipline of prayer, I couldn't think of any other passage that we needed to go through other than this one, or more anyway. And so the question just to begin with, just to remind you, can the Lord's Prayer be said um, like without accomplishing anything? Absolutely. I don't believe that prayer being voiced at the end or beginning of our football games did anything for those that didn't really believe in God. They were just repeating words, like there's in a seance or something. Right? Like there's no point to what they were doing. So can singing the songs we just sang, even opening God's word together, all the things we do, if we're, not doing, if we're doing any of these things for any other reason other than connecting with God, it's not going to accomplish much. So why did Jesus gave us, give us this prayer? I believe it's just quickly uh, for two reasons. I believe the first one, so it would say it together. I think it's okay. I think it's okay to say this thing together as long as we all mean it. But I think the main reason was that we would learn from it. So today, that's what we're going to focus on. I believe there are some great principles to prayer that we can uncover in the Lord's Prayer. More than Jesus was giving us a prayer to pray, I believe he was teaching us to pray. And so uh, if you're a note taker, here we go. Point number one, let's dive in. Pray with perspective. Pray with perspective. Look at how the prayer begins. Verse 9, therefore, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus begins the prayer with a very important recognition. The opening line, our Father in heaven, reminds me and you as we're praying of who we are praying to, and I believe in turn who we are. So when we're praying to our Father, we need to recognize that the thing that sets our faith apart from every single other religion in the world is that you and I are worshiping a God that is not sitting in heaven throwing lightning bolts with no connection to the earth. We serve a God who said, call me Father. Like that is a connection that you and I need to recognize. This God, yes, he has all power and we need to acknowledge that too. He, but he is the source of our life. He, is, he brought us into existence and then it's not only him who gives us life, but he's, he's, he does this life with us. And to say that God is Father is also to say that we are his children, right? If he's Father, then we've got to be the kids. So when we acknowledge God as Father in our prayer, what we're doing is we're saying, God, uh, you're the dad. We're just the kids here. Like we're acknowledging his authority. We're, not, we're acknowledging his, his power and control over our lives. We are just mere children in light of God's wisdom. God, he also said, Jesus tells us also our Father in heaven. This is the reminder that our Father is not seeing things from an earthly perspective. He's in heaven. He's, he's seated on high. He's above us. He can see things that you and I cannot see. I'm going to say that part again because, again, if you don't catch that, if you don't catch anything else, just catch this. Our God sees things 
that you and I cannot see. Got it? Amen? Like, and so, so when you pray, and when your prayers don't get answered the way that you think they should, keep praying. I'm not telling you to stop praying. But like, trust God. With the things in your life, the difficult things that are going on, all the stuff that's going on, just trust God. Because he's seeing things that you cannot see. He's seeing stuff down the road that you and I can't even imagine. And it reminds us, again, because he is our father, we are his kids, we're the, we're the ones taking the low position, and, and he is in heaven. And, and in turn, that's a reminder to us of how short-sighted our vision can be. God's seeing more of the picture. You ever tried to do a puzzle without the front of the box? That's tough. But with the picture, it's different. You can start around the outside, right? Because that's what normal people do, not the inside. Anybody convicted of that? <laughs> All right. Um, but God's seeing more of the picture. And so even before we get going, like, do you see the importance of those two, those two acknowledgments when we pray? Because I'll be honest with you. Uh, I pray like I don't. I live like I don't oftentimes. Because I like to think that I have control of my life. <laughs> I live as if God's on hold in my life, right? Like I get up in the morning, I talk to God, and then I go about my day, and I'm trying to handle my own stuff. It's like, I mean, being a dad ain't that hard. I can pull it off. Like being a pastor ain't that hard. Being a husband ain't that hard. Being a good citizen of my community ain't that hard. I can li- but when, when all things fall apart, what do I do? I go back to the phone. I say, God, you're still there? Because now I need you. I mean, I know I didn't need you this morning because I'm pretty awesome. But I need you now. Can we just all acknowledge we stink more at adulting than we want to let on? Well, we do. We stink at it. And, and I think we live our lives. We, we live our lives as if God wants to be on hold. But what we need to recognize and I believe until we get to a place where we acknowledge that God is God and that we are simply children living with a short-sighted view of what's really going on, our prayers will lack the power that we need. Because we can't do this on our own. We need to stop pretending. Let's talk to our Father who actually sees what's coming down the road for this. And I think... Well, hold on a minute. I'm guilty of this too. Your kingdom come is next. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, notice what Jesus says to pray here. God, let this earth, let the world that you and I live in, let it be conformed to your kingdom or your desired outcome. Now tell me that ain't lacking in our prayers. Right? My prayers are more about asking God to conform the earth to my desired outcome, my kingdom. Like I go to him a lot, God, if I were you, I'd do this, this, and this. Please do it. Like I, I oftentimes don't acknowledge. We run through our laundry list of things that we would like to see God do in our lives and in the lives of others, and that's not a bad thing. We're about to get there. It's point number two. But we've got to be mature enough to acknowledge that the best thing to happen, the best thing to happen tomorrow, 
is not that my kids would make friends at school. The best thing to happen tomorrow is not that your hip would stop hurting so much. The biggest thing that could happen tomorrow is not that your neighbor would get over the flu, that the government would stop being so liberal, or that your boss would recognize your hard work and give you a raise. That's not the most important thing that can happen tomorrow. The ultimate and best thing that can happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day is that the kingdom of God would expand here on earth. That the worship of God that occurs in heaven would happen here more frequently among His people. That God's people would begin to exemplify more actively God's principles and His standards. And that the nations, church, that don't know the name of Jesus would trust in the name that they don't yet know. That's the best thing that can happen tomorrow. If my kids get picked on on the playground, it's going to be okay. Continue to pray for that. We're going to talk about it. Continue to pray for it. But it can't be the main focus of our prayer. The main driving force of our prayer has got to become the kingdom of God. While we are spending time each week solely focused on praying for physical things, there is a spiritual battle going on around us, and I am guilty of being asleep at the wheel. Leaned up on my shovel, just hanging out. If that's true, we need to begin to pray differently. I heard, uh, as, uh, as we were preparing this series, this is actually, if you're not under, you don't understand how we work, uh, we're one of three campuses of, of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. And uh, so we're actually, this is being preached, a, a similar sermon to this, that it won't be identical, but a similar sermon is being preached at all three of our campuses um, this morning. And uh, so we all three got together to talk about this, the three campus pastors. And to get to talk about this, and, and one of the thoughts that came through as we were talking about it um, was that, and it was, it was somebody we were quoting, but I didn't write it down, so I don't know who said it, but somebody said it. This is going to be on the internet, so somebody said it. I'm not plagiarizing. That whenever, if you and I don't, with intentionality, think about the eternal, the short term will always live out, win out. If you and I don't, with intentionality, shift our eyes towards the eternal, the short term will always win out. To the, I go back to the hip thing. And again, sorry if that was you, if you felt conviction over that. Like if your hip's hurting, I'm sorry. But continue to pray for that. But like, why is that what's in the forefront of your mind? Because you feel the pain right now. Why is my kids having friends and not feeling lonely? Why is that so important? Because I see the sad look on their face. Right? Like it's what's right here in front of me. And this is what consumes our prayer life while there's so many eternal things that you and I are just not even paying attention to. And like I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself here, not just you. The short term will always overshadow the eternal unless we with intentionality shift our eyes down the road. So in our prayers, we've got to do this. The ultimate end of our prayer after we finish everything else, or even before, as Jesus teaches here, the ultimate end must be, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on this earth. That's praying with proper perspective. But Jesus shows us here that it's okay to pray for physical things. Okay? It's okay. Point number two, if you're taking notes, pray for provision. Pray for provision. 
Jesus says in verses 11 and 12, Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus shows us we can, we can pray for physical things. But not only physical things, but also spiritual things. That's what these two verses are about. The prayer that we need to be praying more often. Notice what Jesus doesn't say here. Give us today our daily bread. Okay, What did Jesus not say? God, give me a stockpile of bread. Like, it's funny that in our culture, bread can mean money too, right? That's not what was on Jesus' mind, okay? Because he's speaking a different language. That wasn't a cloak, cloak. That wasn't a saying in their day, okay? But like, give us today our daily bread. Jesus doesn't say, God, make me rich. God says, Jesus says, give me what I need. Now, we may tell God what we want. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but Jesus' prayer here is, God, give me what I need. I believe oftentimes we pray for abundance when we need to just be praying for sustenance. Just basic, the basic things that we need. Give us what we need. Now, that can include health issues, that hip that I talked about earlier. That can include home issues, car issues, financial issues, job security, anything else. That is part of your daily life. Jesus says, bring those things to God. Lay them at his feet. What needs do you have in your own life? What needs do you see around you? Lay those before the Lord. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. Meet our needs, God. But then he also says, forgive our debts. Forgive our debts. Forgive us our trespasses, our sins. Can I just be honest with you? It's my least favorite part of the prayer. If I could take a part out, that would be it. Calling out to God the many ways that I have totally butchered what he's called me to do this week is one of the most painful things that I'm called to do as a believer. And I know what you're thinking. You're our pastor. You probably sit around meditating on scripture all day, praying just hours on end go home to my perfect house and my kids, you know, just are waiting at the door to kiss me on the cheek and tell me how much they love me. My wife there to say, oh, thank God for such a loving husband who serves this family sacrificially every single hour of every single day. She didn't say anything. That's good. Like, I know, I mean, hopefully you know that's not the case. Because what I need you to know is that my life looks much more like yours than you think. I still get frustrated and stressed out during the day. I still get mad in traffic when people don't use blinkers or don't know how to work four-way stops. I go home to wild and crazy kids just like some of you. I'm not a good dad many times. I really stink as a husband more days then I crush it. And I hate having to remind myself daily of my own sin. But Jesus says here that real prayer is honest before God about the sin in our lives. I want to sin and just, I hate I sinned. I just want to move on. 
I don't want to have to relive it. Well, before you even say it, let me just address something. Why do I have to ask for forgiveness? I thought Jesus already died for those sins. I thought I, thought I was already forgiven. I have a very simple answer for you. Yes. And no. <laughs> so maybe it's not as simple. But the Bible speaks of a duality to our connection with God. Over time, theologians have come to label this union and communion. The Bible is clear that when we have trusted in Jesus and repented, we are saved eternally. Eternally. Part of that salvation is having every sin you've ever committed, are committing, and will commit paid for by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Christ we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Jesus' blood is sufficient for your salvation. The blood of Jesus brought forgiveness for you when you couldn't find it on your own. And we don't have to ask God to forgive us for sins that keep us from salvation because there are none. That is secure. If you've trusted and repented, that is secure. That is our union with Christ. What is not secure daily is my communion with God through Christ. This is my ongoing relationship with Him. It's affected by every sin I commit and also every act of obedience in which I follow. We must pursue a healthy relationship with God. And part of that, I wish it wasn't true, is confessing our sins before Him. Uh, I talk about kids a lot because I have them. And so if you don't have kids, just I mean, you, you'll get what I'm saying. My children don't do what I say all the time. I know that's a shocker to you, but the question is, when my kids do something I don't want them to do or I told them not to do, does that affect their sonship or daughtership in my house? The answer is no. I know you don't. That's probably a personal answer, but no. However, not however, and... As those children, as my two kids continue to get older and older, guess what's going to get bigger and bigger? Elsie Joe will, absolutely. Their disobedience, right? Right now, I mean, yeah, when they tell me a little white lie, right? Like they say, I, I didn't do that. You know, we'll talk about that here in a second. But, like, it does break my heart. Like, as they get older and they encounter bigger temptations and they give in to them, it's going to break my heart more as I see them making wrong decisions because they will. I pray they're still little bitty ones. And we've got people in this church that are in that situation who have, who have teenage and even young adult children who are in blatant sin and doing things that, that just doesn't honor God. And they're having to wrestle with the fact that you're still my son. You're still my daughter. Like, that doesn't change because of the decisions that you're making. What is affected? The ongoing relationship, right? Because when you come in my house, <laughs> we're going to act a certain way. We're not going to talk a certain way. We're not going to do a certain thing. I still love you when you're out there doing those things. I still love you when you come in this house, right? 
Like there, there's this, there, there is a, there is a, a, a way in which the relationship is being affected, while the sonship is being retained. A couple of years ago, Elsie Joe uh, had broke had a. I just bought a tea. That's been longer than a couple of years ago. Good night, y'all. Man, it's been a few years. I just bought a TV, and we were living in a rental house at the time. Black Friday deal. Couldn't pass up on it. Didn't have anywhere to put it. Shoved it in a you know closet or something. And I came home one day. Uh, Kelly and Elsa Joe had been home. I think Daniel was just a little baby. And uh, I came home, and I looked, and I turned the TV on because it was in the floor. We literally didn't have anything to put it on. And I, I was looking at it in the floor, and I was like, what is that? Over, it was like somebody had just taken their fingers, you know, and just kind of swapped all over. So I went and got a paper towel, a little damp water, and I wiped it, and it didn't go away. And I took my fingernail, and I could catch every single one of the lines. I realized somebody had scratched the fire out of my brand new Black Friday TV. So, Daniel's in a crib. Probably not him. My wife knows how much TV costs, so probably wasn't her. <laughs> Leaves one little culprit. Right? One little culprit. And uh, I asked her, Elsie Joe, did you scratch today's TV? Her head kept shaking. You know, that's a dead giveaway, kids. Don't shake your head so much. It's obvious you're lying. Hmm. 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 You're trying to convince yourself, right? Now, in that moment, I was mad. I'll be honest. I was mad. I was frustrated. Because I knew what I just paid for that TV, and I knew how much money we had, and it wasn't, you know, wasn't a drop in the bucket for that TV. And so in that moment, two things happened. First off, Elsie Joe felt guilt, and I felt frustration. And in that moment, is she still my daughter? Absolutely. Beyond any shadow of a doubt. Is our relationship affected? <laughs> yeah. Like, Kelly, I'm going to have a hard time reading the Bible story tonight because it's going to be one of, uh, it's going to be a very moral tale <laughs> we're going to tell tonight, right? And I still hugged her and I still kissed her. It wasn't that. But, like, I was frustrated. My blood pressure was high. Like, I, I just... Anyway, in that moment, she, no, she, she didn't cease to be my daughter, but our relationship was affected. Later, as the next day, I think, she crawled up in our lap and she said, Daddy, I did break it. And I'm so sorry. And in that moment, what was restored? Not her daughtership. Never was broken. What was restored was our relationship. That's what was, she could still crawl up in my lap because she was my daughter. But I hugged her a little bit sweeter because she had, she had repented of that sin. She had told me the truth. The same is true for us. In that moment, my frustration was eased and her guilt was lightened. When we bring our sins to God, not because we are cut off from salvation, because we are not, but because we want to be close to Him daily. Our sin affects our personal connection with God and we need to repent of those things and we need to lay them before the Lord by name. That's the hardest part. And and you can, I'm not saying, I mean, I feel like there's enough uh, 
confess your sins to the Lord. I feel like there's enough in there in the Bible for me to make this statement with confidence. But the best thing for your spiritual walk is not for you to say, Father, forgive me for my sins I committed yesterday. Because that would be awesome. Just to lump them in one bucket and say, here you go, and run away. But the practice that I've tried to develop and I think, because again, I think it's biblical, is to say, God, forgive me for fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. To call your sins by name, because again, I believe it's helpful. And then the next part that Jesus says, maybe I hate even more than having to confess my sins before the Lord. Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's a nice little reminder that the forgiveness of God doesn't end at you, right? It's given to you so that you show it to others. There's a big fancy theological word um, called, it's communicable. Okay, there are certain things that are incommunicable, right? God is uh, all-knowing. You get a little taste of that? No. No. I'm as dumb as a brick when it comes, like compared to God, right? Like that, does, I don't get to live that out. There's certain other sovereignty, God's all powerful nature. We don't get to taste that. We don't get that trait. Forgiveness is something that is not incommunicable, it's actually communicable. It's designed to be communicated to us and through us. And forgiveness is one of those things. It's a trait that we can learn how to do and show to the world. It's because we have been forgiven that we also ought to forgive. Paul, uh, again, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Do you see it? When we forgive others, we are communicating the forgiveness of God to the world. And that's cool. But what's not as cool is Matthew 6, 14 and 15. This is like a little, a little tag at the end of the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. Period. If that's the end of the statement, we say, really cool. That's awesome. But there's a little three-letter three word that comes after. But, but if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Church, when you and I choose not to forgive others, you need to hear me say this. That affects your relationship with God. And you can fake it, and you can act like it don't, but I promise you it does. You know how I know? Because God said it did. I've known a lot of mature believers, people that I looked up to in the faith, people that were uh, just just serving crazy out of their gifts. Teachers, pastors, leaders, all of this. Serving God absolutely brought spiritually to a screeching halt over unforgiveness. I know what you think. You think it's just between me and them. It's just an issue I have with that person. I can deal with it. The Bible says you can't. Jesus just said, if you don't forgive others, 
your Father will not forgive your offenses. You may feel like you're on good terms with God, but if there's unforgiveness in your heart, I can tell you, you're not. Again, this is not affecting our salvation. If you're already a Christian, this is not affecting your salvation, but what it is affecting is your ongoing relationship with God. Your communion, not your union. So in our prayers, we need to be reminded that we are to forgive others just as we, were at, just as we are asking God to forgive us. And listen, I know it's hard. I know some of you have been through difficult things. But there's a way to forgive in every one of those situations that doesn't look like a happy, clappy kiss on the cheek. We're all good going forward. I love you. Let's, let's be best friends. There's a way to forgive. Acknowledge that it's hard before God and ask Him to help you. And I'm going to step one little tiny step forward and just say this as your pastor. I would encourage you, first off, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, make it right. Because again, it's, it's bothering you. It's affecting you more than you realize. And it will crumble you. Your, your spiritual life will be halted. But I will step out on pastoral authority from God's word to say that if that unforgiveness exists in this church, you are not only thwarting your own personal walk, you're thwarting the ministry of this church. And it's a big deal. Paul talked a lot about sin and unforgiveness in the body. And church, I just I, I, I beg you to make all unforgiveness right. <laughs> but I really, really plead with you that if it's against somebody who calls East home, get it behind us the only way we're going to be able to move forward as a church it's the only way we're going to be able to exist and it's the only way we'll see the glory of god in us our neighbors and the nations that's the only way it's going to happen we feel it when we unforgive i'm thinking unforgive is a verb when we don't forgive jesus makes it clear in this passage it's okay to pray for physical things yes pray for the needs that you have pray for the things that are right before you but Jesus says also pray for the spiritual. Pray that God would forgive you of your sins and that you would be able to forgive others. And then he ends with this. Point number three, pray against pollution. And yes, like the environment, take care of it. But this is more than that. Verse 13, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Church, there's a real threat in this world. And like, I don't mean real in quotes. I mean real, capitalized, bold, underlined. And it's bigger than the flu. It's bigger than cancer. And it's, wait for it, bigger than COVID. You and I are being targeted by the evil one. He wants to see you fall. He wants to see me fall. And he wants us all to fall. Just as he did in the garden from the beginning. Genesis 3, 4, and 5. Listen, listen to, like, this should put a cold chill up your spine as a believer. Listen to the way that the serpent talks to the woman in the garden. The woman answers him as to why she's not supposed to eat this fruit. 
roughly quoting God. She butchered it a little bit, but she was okay. She was close. The serpent responds, no, 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 no. You'll not certainly die. No, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Church, that should put a cold chill up your spine. This is the evil one that you and I, that, that has us in his sights. It's his desire to see mankind fall from our place as the image of God. He wants to thwart the plans of God in the world. And the scariest part is that without some help, you and I, we're, not, we're getting the L in that column. Like we're not, we can't. We do not have what it takes to battle day after day after day. The grind of it all is way too much. However, Jesus says, ask your father for help. Ask your father for help and he will. Let's talk through that. It can sound as if, uh, as if God himself is like needed to hear. Hey, God, don't put me in temptation. right? Because it said, do not lead us into temptation. Um, the idea behind the verse, a little bit more sloppily, yet possibly more accurately could be translated, do not allow us to be led into temptation. And that is a cry that we can lift up to God, keep temptation from our doorstep. And from my life, I can tell you, one way I've seen God do it, and I see Him do it in the Bible, is He lets you know when temptation's coming. Right, like when I was a kid... Um, like you, we've all been at the we've maybe you haven't, but like for me anyway, I've been at the party that I thought was going to be a clean fun party <laughs> that got out of hand in a hurry, and I went, huh? Now that temptation went, Poof! and it just shot up right in front of me, and I was like, I didn't know this was that kind of thing. Okay, like there is temptation that pops up without you knowing, but I believe with God's help, we can see temptation coming, and we can be prepared. I believe this is this is what this is the cry. Um, this is what God does for Cain. When you think about just going back again to Genesis, I believe there's again Genesis one through three is the seedbed of of all the themes of the Bible. And so Genesis four, uh, Cain is mad at his brother Abel. He's angry, and God sees the look in his eye. He sees a wild look in Cain's eye, and he says this in verse seven of chapter four, Genesis. Cain. Oh, baby. Whoa. If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Notice this. God warns Cain that the temptation is coming. He says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I know what you're thinking, buddy. I know what you're thinking. Slow down. But Cain ignores the advice of God and kills his brother in the field. Listen, through prayer, we can have a connection to God that allows us to see temptation coming and receive a warning through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. God will make a way for us to be delivered through it or to, be, uh, to avoid it. That's the idea behind 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. That means quit acting like you're the only one going through it. Everybody else has been through it too. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, 
But with the temptation, he'll provide a way out. Paul shows us that we will often experience temptation, but the way God often acts is by providing a way out. That's what Jesus was saying when he prayed, deliver us from the evil one. Help us. We know in this life that Satan will not be thrown down and totally destroyed in this life right now that we're living. And so in this moment, we've got to, we got to, we got to pray for God to deliver us from him, provide a way out, and God will. We need to be praying this way, asking God to keep us from temptation and deliver us from it when we do face it. And do you see all this? As Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, now you and I are learning from the same thing. If we're going to develop rhythms in our life, you've got to grasp these things about prayer. Because if you're having a hard time becoming a prayerful person, it's probably because you don't understand prayer. You've been trying to check the box every day, get up. Uh, I forgot to pray this morning. Uh, God help me. All right. You're trying to check a box. But if you're going to develop a rhythm of prayer in your life, you're going to have to begin to understand what Jesus is teaching in the Lord's Prayer. Grasp it right, and I believe it will grasp you. I believe that's what will happen. You'll naturally pray because you understand the importance of prayer. Just quickly, pray with perspective. Acknowledging who you are praying to and what his ability is and, and keeping at the forefront of your prayer, the will of God being done on earth. Second, pray for provision. Not just physical, though, because remember, your biggest needs are spiritual and eternal things. And third, pray against pollution. You serve a God that desires that you avoid temptation. That's literally his will for you, that you be like Christ. So, if that's his will for you, then he will provide a way out, but we need to ask him. We need to ask him. He wants to help. And today, uh, Patrick is going to come up and, and lead uh, one last song. And here's the deal. Man, if rhythm is not a prayer for you, uh, if prayer is not a rhythm for you, like every rhythm has to start somewhere. Amen? Like this band up here. Y'all don't know this, but they've got this thing in their ears called a click track, and it's keeping them on beat. Because if they don't have that, guess what all of them try to do? Play their own thing. Right? And every song starts with that click track, or it starts with Tom going, one, two, three, and he starts, right? Every rhythm has to start. And if prayer is not a rhythm in your life, don't focus on the temporary and try to put this off. Like, start today. Let, the, let prayer become a rhythm in your life today by, by going to the Lord in this moment. We're going to sing this last song. You don't have to sing with us. You can pray. You can come to this altar and pray. You can sit right where you are and pray. You can kneel where you are. Stand, sit. I don't care. Lay down, you might get stepped on. But every other posture... Like, pray to God in this moment and begin this rhythm. If you need to pray for someone else, if there's unforgiveness, like if that hit home for you, and you've been trying to fake it and say, no, no, I'm good. Me and God are tight. 
No, you're not. Confess the unforgiveness before the Lord and then go make it right today. Call them. Text them. Make this stuff right, especially if it exists in this body. And if you've been like me and you've just been guilty, y'all, I prayed fervently yesterday, and it wasn't that Auburn would win. It didn't happen anyway. But yesterday, the, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm confessing here. The most passionate thing I prayed for yesterday was that I could get my grass cut before it rained. Can I be honest with you? I was cutting my grass when it started sprinkling, and I, like, with all the fervor, dear God, please do not allow this rain to come before I can finish. And I want to confess to you, that's the most passionate I prayed about yesterday. While folks are dying without knowing Christ, right? While, while, not as your, I, I wasn't beseeching the Lord on behalf of your spiritual life as your pastor. The most pressing thing in my life was getting my grass cut. Good God Almighty, show grace to me. So if you're like me and you've been praying with the wrong perspective, let's get that right today. Let's begin to pray differently and ask God to do what only He can do here on this earth. And let's not be distracted by the temporary, but focus on the eternal, the kingdom of God here on earth. I'm going to say a word of prayer, but before we do, before we do, the reason we need to pray with perspective is because, um, because we've been changed by the gospel. And my prayer for you that I've been praying this morning is that if there's anybody here who's never trusted in Jesus, like I've got a prayer I want you to pray today, and it's not the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> it's this one. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know apart from you, I deserve absolute separation from you because my sin separates me from you. But I know that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me, and I know that his blood was shed so that every sin I'll ever commit could be wiped away. And I know that he was raised again so that I can have new life. Today I commit my life to you. I, I, I trust in Jesus as my Savior, and I repent of my sins. And today God will save you if you pray that. We simply want to help you with that. More than I want to teach you the Lord's Prayer, I want you to call out to God for salvation today. If you've never trusted in him, you can come talk to me at the end of the service. We've got decision counselors by the back door. If that's easier for you to slip that way, um, you've got anxiety issues, don't want to come forward, that's fine. That's why they're back there. I want to say a word of prayer, and you deal with whatever you need to deal with. You can stand, sing, pray at this altar, or respond uh, for salvation. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. Uh, God, that you are the God uh, that we get to pray to. God, that you're the one who created everything, yet God, you chose to be personal. And uh, God, you chose to, to actually come and live among us in Jesus. And God, I, I'm thankful um, that we get, to, we get to go to you in prayer. And God, I pray... Uh, that, God, I would I would not take that for granted. And, God, that the prayers of my heart would be things that align with your kingdom. God, not the silly things I worry about here on earth. God, help us as a church. God, more that other churches can continue to pray how they want, but, God, transform the prayer that happens in this place among these people, among this pastor. God, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. You can respond however God leads. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty 
have a seat. Thank you so much for being here. If there's anything we can help you, any any decisions you need to make, any next steps, those cards, again, are an opportunity not just for our first-time guests, but also for home folks to let us know about decisions you'd like to make. You can drop those in the blue bucket uh, if you need to make a decision or need to change something, you can do that. Um, also, just to let you know, tonight um, we're supposed to have a kickball tournament. I bet you can ballpark that we're not going to do it. Um, we're trying to protect the fields at Creekside. Even if it were to stop raining right before time, we don't want to get out there and make a mess of their fields. And so we will be rescheduling that. We've got, you know, a couple hundred, a couple hundred hamburgers and hot dogs, so we've got to cook them at some point. Um, but not today. Uh, but we'll be, we'll be uh, rescheduling that as best we can. Um, if you were excited about that, sorry, we'll redo it again sometime. Um, also, uh, uh, we've got 
Um, October 3rd coming up, uh, not this, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, October 3rd is our gift to go offering. Um, again, this is something that, uh, we've never really done as a church, um, but all of our missions, all of the efforts that we do as a church, um, here and around the world are going to be, uh, taken up on October 3rd. Okay. Um, it's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be good. Um, but also I wanted to tell you about some of where that money is going to go. So uh, we're going to have local missions. I'm going to talk about local this week, and I'll talk about some others next week. Um, but House of Harvest is a ministry right here um, in our community. And, and you may, some of you may think, like, there aren't really that many hungry people, right? Like, everybody can find food. It's actually not true in our community. And there are children and there are adults who are literally hungry and will not have as many meals as you and I get to have unless that was a weird belly rub that was supposed to make you laugh but they're they're not going to get as many meals and so house of harvest exists it is a it is a ministry that we partner with so that we can help provide food for people in this community and so uh the money that we give so every side or not every once a month on a saturday we work there um that'll be part of our partnership but another part of our partnership is we send them a check monthly that allows them to do what they do and so the money that you give on october 3rd is going to be going towards that okay um, we also have school partnerships. Creekside and Harvest Elementary are our two school partnerships. In the past, that's just been a, hey, call us if you need us. Uh, we want to see that shift. We want to we begin to become a, a more active presence on both of those campuses. And the ability with which we can do some big ideas we have is all dependent on the October 3rd mission uh, offering. Um, but we want to, uh, the times we've painted, we painted, we cooked hibachi for everybody at Creekside, like 200, 150 people or something. Um, and then we painted four classrooms at Harvest Elementary. Like, we didn't know where that money was coming from. So what we're hoping is that October 3rd, we've got money that we can set aside, that we can actually do those things and not have to stress about the rest of our ministry budget that we use uh, to make disciples here. And so, again, the money that we give on October 3rd together is going to be going towards those two things locally, okay? Uh, so, again, begin to pray about how much God would have you give towards this effort. Um, if, you, if you're like, hey, I, I'm not a one-time offering kind of guy, but I might could give a little bit more each month towards that. We would love to talk with you about that, too. Uh, we're working on that, about how we can set that up maybe online or something. But I'm all that information next week, okay? I promise you. Um, but be praying about how much God would have you help do that. Uh, we as a family are praying through that, talking about that, trying to figure out what we can sacrificially do. So we ask you to do that as well. Um, on your way out, don't forget, you can still give towards the local ministry, the making disciples that happens here every week. You can do that by dropping offering in the blue bucket, text to give, online giving. You can also put it in the mail because it would really pump Kenny up. All right. He loves going to get the mail. All right. I'm going to say a word of prayer. And uh, it's, it's going to be a good day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that, um, that we, can, uh, we, we can not only, uh, God, learn about you and come and, and, and do these things, but, God, we can do it and have fun. Uh, God, as I, as I prayed in the first service, God, I'm just thankful that we're not in this by ourselves, God, that the, the Christian life is a communal thing. And, God, you, you give us one another to enjoy this with. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us as a church to never lose sight of that, um, that this is fun. Uh, it's painful, it's difficult, the Christian life involves sacrifice, but God, you've called us uh, to do it together, and that's what makes it fun. And so, Father, I pray that you'd keep us close as a church and draw us even closer together in the days to come. We love you, and we thank you for this day, this opportunity to study. We pray that you'd bless us and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Y'all have a good week.